So, Greg, we recorded an episode last the week. evening of, uh, yeah, last week, November the 10th, with uh, producer, director of the uh, Hip Hop Evolution documentary, which can be found on Netflix, Darby. And that same day, we got the bad news after we started recording that uh, Chris Sullivan, a.k.a. DJ Spinbad, had passed. So we just want to uh, take a quick moment to, to recognize him as an innovator in the, uh, in the DJ production space. Uh, he was very popular. He became popular um, down in, uh, in New York City. And uh, many uh, Canadians uh, became fans of his as a result of him DJing for Russell Peters on his uh, comedy tour. Tours, yeah. So I uh, just wanted to uh, give a shout out to the unique and awesome DJ Spinbad. I was going to wear my Raptors jersey, though, Greg. I'm, and I said you have your hat on. I yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got, got to do it. Got to represent. In actual fact, Kareem just learned a short while ago that when I wear a hat, it means I haven't had time to shower today. So uh, I feel you. Yeah. Oh, Welcome to COVID, right? Exactly. <laughs> I got like the COVID hair going. Like, it's just, ugh. Anyway. Yeah, you're about I don't think, dude, who's, yeah, this has been interesting for us too, because we're, I find COVID has been good because you can, We've had some try to pitch TV shows and whatnot. We've had some interesting Zoom calls with people that we'd never get meetings with. So really, and uh, yeah, it's funny. Like we had, we were talking to Monty Lippman, who's the president of Universal Republic, and he's in sweats and a tee or a hat, and you're just like, okay, then yeah. If we met in your office, it wouldn't be like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah you never know. Actually, yeah, but... hi. The following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find him at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hey, uh, my name is Darby Wheeler. I'm a producer, filmmaker, director from Erie, Ontario originally, but I've lived in Toronto for the last 20 years. Uh, I'm mostly known for directing Hip Hop Evolution that was on Netflix because that took forever, a lot, almost a decade of my life. But I also used to produce at... Uh, George Strombolopoulos tonight, which was previously the hour, which I think previously that hadn't had another name, but I, I was on Newsworld anyways. I also produce for radio and produce podcasts for a company that I'm working for now, which I am owner and uh, co-founder of called Scenario Productions. And we're really excited about Scenario. It's uh, a new endeavor taking our expertise, myself and Rodrigo Baskunin, who wrote Hip Hop Evolution and uh, bringing some cool content to the world, we hope. And, uh, I just want to say welcome to the music. Oh, welcome to music. See, I was going to screw it up. I knew I knew. No, you got it right the first time. <laughs> so I wrote it down wrong. Welcome. <laughs> For some reason, when I say welcome to music, I picture William Shatner saying it or something like that. I don't know why. <laughs>
that's a spiel. So you can feel free to edit that down if you no, want. Yeah, no, it's good. It's perfect. <laughs> Even that, that's awesome. Uh, well, welcome. We're Thank so you. excited to have you on. I mean, I know yeah, you and I share it. a mutual friend um, for many, many years. Yeah, let's just talk about him the whole time. Like you and I could probably <laughs> fill this whole podcast up. But there's lots of material there with that guy. That's probably one of oh, his yeah. like less crazy stories. But yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And I know about some of the other crazy stories, but I think we'll leave that for another podcast. But <laughs> another topic. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's enough for a whole season there. <laughs> stories about Mace. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we're, we're, we're really excited to have you on board um, Thanks, yeah. to join us. Um, we really want to start, you know, diving in. We do want to talk about, you know, hip hop evolution. That We do want to also focus on some of the new projects you're working sure. on. Sure. Well, Great. Um, well, if we start about hip hop evolution, and I know a bit from Mace, but yeah. I'd love for you to get, I'd love for you to tell us a bit about sort of, you know, your history in terms of your love for hip hop, because I know that's a lot of what you brought to the production yeah, I don't know if that was me, guys, but I, I'll make sure I don't turn this off. Uh, I love, yeah, hip hop is funny for me because I I felt like if I could have named the series, I would have called it Rap Evolution. But obviously, we've taken hip hop and made it music. But obviously, if you if you're uh, if you really want to do your work in history, it is something we sort of don't even, we touch on it because it's part of the culture now, and it's sort of been taken over as an art form and people mostly think about rapping and music and that's what they call hip hop. But hip hop is obviously a whole bunch of elements. You know, you have graffiti and break dancing, there's DJing, there's also, you know, MCing. And then as Bambata always coined, knowledge was one of the things. So I always liked that part of it, like learning about break beats. That was always hip hop to me. Right. But as far as buying rap records, I used to go to uh, Detroit mostly where I would buy my good friend, Justin Fulbert. I would hijack his parents' car and go to, various record stores in Detroit. I wasn't at, I, once I got to know some of the Detroit people from doing hip hop evolution, they weren't always the best ones. They're like, Oh, you guys are lame, but we were Canadian kids coming over there. And I was really turned on to hip hop via the radio over in Detroit because I would get, I was really lucky where I grew up. I said, Erie, Ontario, it's right pretty much like Southwest Ontario towards Windsor, Leamington area, right on Lake Erie. So you could get Cleveland radio and you could get Detroit and, uh, yeah, it just opened my mind to black music, mostly jazz at first and then getting into hip hop. I remember hearing Boogie Down Productions in my parents' car waiting in for them there, the dentist. It's uh, I'm still number one, that song. And I just remember being like, oh, I got to go get that record next week in Detroit. And that's what we would do. We would buy all our shoes over there and and mostly records. But yeah, that's where I got turned on to it. I think for me too, coming... I was always into it. I was deeply into it and felt privileged when I came to Toronto to be able to go to shows a little easier than driving to Detroit because my parents would flip out a little bit. Detroit was still pretty tough. You know, it was pretty tough back then, but they let me go to shows. I saw PE once like really early on. And I remember Flav, like we were like the, me and my two friends were like the only white kids in the crowd we thought. And Flav like came out and gave us the pounds just to be like, Hey, you guys, you know, like, I don't know if he was going like, they're cool, but it was pretty funny. He came right out the side before the show and, and found us. So, but yeah, that was always yeah. um, something that I found. Uh, I don't know why I identify with hip hop in a real way. Cause I, you know, I'm just a white kid. I think at that time there's a ton of white kids, probably like, you know, even like you, well, kids our age, you know what I mean? Even non-black kids, you know, getting into hip hop because it was something, there's something really cool about it. It was new, fresh, and dangerous, 
I mean, I'm always attracted to that kind of music. I love pop music, but like I'm a little bit grown into more pop, liking pop music. But when I was younger, the Clash and that, those kind of groups that were dangerous were always the best ones. And Public Enemy represented that to me when we're seeing them and they had the militant guy, the S1Ws come out. You're like, whoa, what is going on here? You know, and then you proceed. Like, I like that part of it, too, because, like I said, you do the knowledge thing and you would delve into where breakbeats came into, but you might also read Malcolm X biography because Chuck D said something about it. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I answered your question there. It's no, pretty, yeah. it's pretty comp- complex. I might even answer it differently sometimes because I don't even really remember except buying records and buying. Did you guys ever do that for rap records? You would just buy a record on a cover. I did that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, bought, yeah. I never I bought, bought rap soul. Yeah, three feet high rising on the cover. I was like, wow, this cover looks cool. Who are these guys? And then the record store guy had said, oh, he put it on or something. And I heard me, myself, and I, and I remember, oh, and then I remember even going the next week and seeing it on this video show that used to be on in Detroit on Channel 61. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I bought this. And now that record is maybe a top five record for me. I It changed my life. Yeah. That's cool. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, I was... So- um, I was really curious about, you know, how a white guy, you know, gets to do so much work in, in you know, sort of rap music, hip hop music and stuff. Um, you know, did you ever think, you know, back when you were, you know, a young kid uh, crossing the border to go see Public Enemy that, you know, one day you would tell stories yeah. about rap music? Not, not really, not particularly. I remember, I feel like from where I came from, and I think my mom and all her friends and my dad, that they would tell you that what I'm doing is what I should have been doing because I started doing it back then. I'd play with cameras and do, but being, <laughs> documenting the history of rap, I, I'll tell you one thing though, man. I used to get really bummed about, um, and this was a little bit later on when I was in Toronto, about the lack of good documentation of hip hop. There were some good books that came out really around when we were doing Hip Hop Evolution, a little bit before, uh, you know. But we, uh, like, um, Can't Stop, Won't Stop, that's a really great book. Um, And then, you know, Dan Charnas did one called The Big Payback, but that's more like business, but he touches on the origins. There's a few. I have them all behind me. But um, I remember being really frustrated by the lack of documentation. And then I remember watching, like, in my little apartment getting to see something that maybe much music aired it or something, but it would be a BBC documentary about reggae music. And I would be like, Oh, why do they do it so well that all that access and you really learned where it came from and the culture. And I thought that hip hop hadn't done a really good job of it. Mind you, it was, you know, it wasn't that old. It's not that old 40 yeah. some odd years now. So, but I always was frustrated by that. I, I would say that was something that I could say, when Rodrigo and I were starting to, and Banger, at Banger Films, who produced Hip Hop Evolution, when we were sort of thinking of the early things, it's like, this had never really been done well. There's lots of guys who went, like, I remember Curtis Blow told me he filmed a bunch of stuff way back in the day, but it was something about the quality that didn't really jive with him. But man, he pretty much was doing what we were doing. So, but, so, so, yeah. so how did you, so uh, I want to touch on that with Banger. Sure. Sort of earlier, so I was a huge fan of metal evolution. Huge yeah, it's great. I came, great. I came out of sort of the metal, the punk side. Yep. Of music, 
I and, know enough about that stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah. But like, I'm really interested to know, like loving that and banger films, how, how did you get involved with banger films to eventually produce these I went in documentary there, that you wanted to tell? Yeah. Well, at the time I didn't come in there with hip hop evolution. They came to me, oh, okay. but I thought I, I had, I had always, it was, I was at George's show, Strombolopolis. I worked there previous uh, working on, well, I worked a couple jobs in between, but that was one of my older jobs. I had always been sort of spewing about doing a history of hip hop. So why are people telling cool stories, right? So I think when Scott and Sam did Metal Evolution, they had a lot of people in their ear going, oh, someone needs to do this for hip hop. They didn't have a clue. They weren't not hip hop guys at all. They're obviously, you've seen Sam on camera. I think he loves bass and break beats and only early shit, but he doesn't really know hip hop music. So yeah, I just came in to interview to talk about a bunch of stuff and they said, oh, we're going to do that. And so then I just sort of helped. Originally I helped sort of, I was going to produce, maybe not direct it, but I think it just slowly morphed into the fact that I knew the most. I sort of had the, the, the chops to do it. And some people there are talking to, it was pretty obvious that I should have just directed it. I think that's where it came to um, getting, we, yeah, I think I just brought better ideas to the whole thing. And then I also started to hire people that I knew. And yeah, it was pretty organic, but it took forever, Greg, because yeah. we, I literally did worked on four more shows, three more shows for Banger previous Hip Hop Evolution sitting there waiting for a green light to get going. It was going to be on this channel called Fuse in the US at one point. And that fiddled away for some reason. And then it went HBO Canada, shout out to Kathleen Meek. She and, uh, Randy Lennox, they sort of got behind it. And um, Robin over there, Johnson, they got behind it and made it happen. And, you know, shout out to Scott and Sam for doing the work to get someone to convince someone to do it. I think it's a hard sell. I know everybody loves that show, man, but it's pretty niche, right? So it's not, it's, it's pretty interesting working in production, owning your own production company. Now I have a lot of people say, Oh, we, we want to do hip hop evolution. What do you think of this? And I'm, I literally just sort of roll my eyes a little bit these days because I think it is so niche and we got lucky at the time to do it. I hope that's not the case, but I feel like it might be, you so know. Is that, so is that like you and I have talked about sort of even other genres, right? People talking yeah. about electronic model. And you, you said sort of, I know you and I have talked about before and you said yeah. sort of, you know, it doesn't necessarily always work, particularly if you don't have the background or the passion behind it, I believe. Sure, I would agree with that. Yeah, for sure. There was something to that, knowing what we had rules for hip hop evolution. Like we tried to make it always, um, you had to sort of feel or you, the way we did the script that you were like at the time there. Chad sort of knew what he was doing because it was it's different than metal evolution in a lot of ways because Sam was on a journey and discovering, but it, I think for hip for that was a little bit different and their personalities are different too. Sam can really critique. You remember there's an episode where Sam hates Lincoln park in metal evolution. I love that episode. I think that's so real. Right. But I don't know if Shad would do that. He was just, mm. that's not his personality because he's also an artist. So he'd be like, I'm not going to shit on your stuff. Like someone obviously loves it. So we did give him a little bit of, he had knowledge and he did. And that was real too. I think Sam was really discovering what stuff, whereas Chad knew the basic stuff that we learned a lot, but yeah. So uh, I'm not sure if I answered your question, yeah, Greg, but yeah, yeah. Sure. a little bit roundabout. Yeah. Oh, you're I lost you there, Karim. You're on mute. I know, I know, I know. Press Classic the podcast fail right there. Yeah. We, we suck. 
Greg, if only there was like a production company that had their chops that <laughs> was doing stuff in podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Eh? We'll find someone. Um, Darby, you, you mentioned earlier that it was a 10-year journey. Yeah, um, maybe six or seven. I made that up a little bit, but yeah. What was that question? <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> like, why, why did it take, because, you know, as soon as you watch it, even if you watch sort of yeah. episode one or the first year and then that was it. I mean, that's a great story. I mean, you know, you could argue today that pop music today is rap. Pop music today is hip hop. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, there you talk about pop music, you're talking about hip hop and rap. Yeah, um, Drake and yeah, I guess yeah. there's some, so some still, I feel like The weekend isn't rap, but he's no. pretty big. And then Ariana Grande, but yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, yeah, go on the charts. It's obvious. Look at the, you're pop, talking about, look at how we dress, you know? Yeah. You're talking about being niche. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, is that still, do you feel that still? I think that's like, just music. Yeah. So that the, let me explain that a little bit. I think yeah. that my, my partner Rodrigo put this really well the other day. It's like, it's music. So if you take, okay, so then. Think about documentaries, right? Oh, no, think about it this way. So you have two worlds in, in, in production. So you have scripted and unscripted. Scripted can be genre-based. So, you know, there's lots of layers and you can, but most stuff at the most, that's, or, you know, it can be um, a film or TV. Whereas unscripted, you know, it's the same. You're going to do, it's, it, the lanes are smaller because you have reality, you have food, you know, you have, and then documentaries. The documentary is so small. It's like a sliver, right? So, and what is that sliver that is music documentaries, right? That's the challenge. So that's what I mean by niche. In no way am I saying hip hop is niche. And in fact, that's what we try to convey to these people that we're trying to sell shows to and make shows with is that, hey man, like these guys are dominating the conversation these days. Like get real. Like look at how many jobs on yeah look at social media like people i know you don't always want to look to people but you know what ends up happening too is that when people look to certain art forms those art forms slowly grow up you know like it was funny i was thinking about the other day there was a picture of like jay-z and i think french montana and they look like the most sophisticated you know cool dudes i'd ever seen i was like man to think that jay and him were we're on the streets doing serious, like crazy business, you know, like to think that was an inspiration to where they come from to where they are. is pretty mind blowing. But I think if you pull back like music history, you'll see there's similarities in the past there. You know, Frank Sinatra wasn't a, an angel. Ike Turner, not to, uh, maybe that's a bad example, but um, <laughs> I don't want to throw Ike Turner into those examples, but uh you know, there's some really interesting um, backgrounds in music. Music is not as clean and fresh as we think it could, should be, you know. So I actually think that's changing. That part of it's flying away because these guys are so visible now. And, you know, maybe that's a good thing. But, yeah, I don't know. I Like, I go back to, like, you like metal. You said, Greg, like, I used to like my rock stars crazy and dangerous and a little bit wild, right? But... Yeah, maybe they still are. Maybe I'm just old, probably, because there are, like, I also think, though, like, it's a little bit, like, I think, yeah, it's a different kind of danger than it used to be. Yeah, it's almost like we want our stars to be socially conscious. We want them to be on the right side of history. It's it's very different now. Yeah, like, would we really have cared if someone went and, like, back in the day went, oh, Ronald, maybe, because maybe we're younger, but 
like Lil Wayne, everybody freaked out because he like Trump. I'm like, well, he's a capitalist pig, you know. He's like, does he? Are we that surprised? I don't know. I think it's the black thing that I think most people are like, dude, you really let it down. This guy's sort of a racist. Well, if he's not a racist, he's really enabling racist, right? So, but I think that in the end, hip hop is pretty capitalist, you know, in music. So that takes over the reins for your thinking of what benefits you, you know. And is it really Wayne's responsibility? For me, I wish he would have just not even bothered, but is it his responsibility to not represent himself? Like, and just, if he doesn't feel a certain way, should he, I don't know. We're ch- the world is changing. <laughs> yeah. As Greg would say, that's another podcast as well. Yeah, most <laughs> definitely. That's some heavy <laughs> shit. Paul, yeah. Paul, Paul, I get Paul myself takes- in trouble too, because I'm pretty, I don't know. I feel like I have some friends that are pretty right-leaning. I still can hang with them. Yeah. We just don't. Go, you're not racist. There's just, we've lost the plot. <laughs> yeah. I think I so. feel like very, in the, very, there should be alive. like, yeah. Well, also it's like, doesn't it, doesn't it feel like it's not like it's divided in like five in the States. Everybody's like, Oh, there's two sides. I'm more like, eh, it sounds like about five different sides in the States these days. Anyway. Yeah. No, nothing is ever, as they say, black and white, right? It, there's always, that's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Nuances yeah. everywhere, you know? Um, but yeah. Hip hop is dude. Like, I, I don't want to put niche on hip hop, sure. but hip hop documentaries, music documentaries, niche for sure. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Fair unless, enough. Unless you're Jay Z's story, you're walking in, and then people they're all yes. over that, right? Well, yeah. of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Was was there ever talk, uh, you know, being that that you know you guys banger, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Canadian production company that let's tell a Canadian story, or was it always? Now again, I did watch the Metal Evolutions. So I don't know, sort of. Yeah. Uh, they know, did the global. They didn't touch Canada. I don't think. Maybe a yeah. little bit. Rush, rush, rush. rush. So was, was that sort of the thinking? This is going to be a yeah, and it's quote unquote an American story, really. Yeah, I mean, I think hip hop stories is an American story. So I think you can't. I mean, we could go. We should, if if we were going to do like an international thing and jump off, then we'd have to go to France first before Canada. I think really. Too. Yeah, because there is a trip that Bambada, he took um, Zulu Nation people, Fab Five Freddy, maybe Freddy set up Fab Five Freddy, um, Futura, the graffiti artist, uh, well, 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 there's a bunch of people, oh, uh, Rock City Crew, they all went there way early, like 82, maybe even earlier, I can't even remember, I'm probably right, I'm pretty good with my dates, but the... Um, I mean, I sounded really conceited when I said that, but I am pretty good with my dates. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but yeah, that you'd have to do that before Yeah, before, before Canada. And, you know, arguably, I love Canada's story. It's pretty dope. If there was another season, which there's not going to be, I would love to have gone there. What we tried to do is you focused on peaks. So the peak in the Memphis story is the Three Six Mafia. How do you get there? So you tell their story then and connect it. So you'd have to be, you'd want to get to Drake that's the peak and then you'd work backwards probably right because Toronto doesn't have a moment until Drake with hip-hop I mean you can say all you want about it but I think people would probably admit it I really I'm not taking any respect from hip-hop from here because it's known sure like Mishimi was battling yeah. in the day West toured with Public Enemy and then there's you feel uh, Socrates had a moment I really liked his you know Cardinal's special but it really happens when Drake is breaks through in Toronto. Yeah. I, I have to I have to share a story with you. So yeah, go ahead. I've shared this a couple times. Episode podcast number one hundred for welcome, not welcome to the music. Welcome. Yep. 
and the special guest was Maestro. Oh, wow. And cool. It was really cool until the host, <laughs> Wait. The host turns to Maestro and goes, so tell me about the time when you were working with Socrates. Oh, my God. Maestro's, yeah. Maestro's like, sorry? <laughs> Just look, at him. look at him. Look at him. I got that is, every, every time it, every time Socrates comes up, I have to tell that story. So great, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's okay, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, KK. Little, you were yeah, saying? it was a little bit of a mess. I like you just put him, you just buried him there. <laughs> How did Wes react? Did he laugh his ass off? Oh yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> well, well, he was he was he was floored at first. He was he yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. sorry, <laughs> and then the entire because it was hosted up at uh, upstairs at Betty's or whatever it is, and so oh yeah, cool, crowd cool. Lost yeah, it. I went up there and did that podcast with um, Sammy. Sammy, yeah, 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 that was fun. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. West, that was so you got West to come to a bar, so that probably worked out. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Listen, that's, like, that's I, I a good way to get me to go too. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, normally we do record this at um, Steve's place down a Radical Road. So, okay. Yeah. So once once yeah. we once we get past COVID, we'll do a yep. second episode of this with you, and we'll do it over a couple of uh, sure. Radical Road beer be, beers. Hopefully, or I have a different project to talk about than Hip Hop Evolution. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you yeah. might be my last uh, for a while. Uh, I, mean, I can't. I can't run that thing too long. But I'm proud of it. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But yeah. yeah, always happy to talk about rap. That's my. So always. so yeah. so let's. I've got a couple of more questions about <laughs> hip hop, and then let's yeah. start talking about some of the other projects. No, I'm that... cool to talk about hip hop evolution. Don't no, let no, me change totally. Your, no, know? but we want to. We do want to cover some other things too. So yeah. Okay. Cool. So um, so Kelly, one my wife wanted to know. Yep. Long time listener. She never listens to us. Uh, I want to know a couple of things was how receptive were the artists to being involved and were there any like taboo subjects you weren't allowed to touch on yeah probably they would probably like be a specific interview but man I don't think very many yeah that was the beauty of the show to me is you know the when we went and saw, like, this is the older cats, but even the Southern dudes too. Yeah, like there was this time, I remember we went and saw Kumo D and he was like, man, it took Canadians to come down and do this. You know, he was sort of a bit like, what the F? And I think that that part of it, once we actually started the interviews, they got really into it. And like, yeah, they were impressed by the work we had done and trying to be... Um, like you're doing a documentary. So it was a bit of its discovery. So you want to talk to them and say, Hey, is this legit? You know, like, was it influenced? Was Herc really influenced by Jamaican music? And you find out not really, he was sort of rebelling against it. Right. So then you, yeah. Cause everybody says, Oh, it should work Jamaica and hip hop. And I'm like, yeah, sure. They're connected because they're West Indian people made it. But if you do your homework, there's a bit of a misnomer. Right. So, but overall, everybody was great. I never, I didn't have any beef. I had one person, we did 300 interviews almost, 290 interviews. I had one person call and was mad about their makeup. That was about it. And that was yeah. after the series went out. Yeah, it was a man. Um, and then, um, but taboo subjects, I don't think we ever got anyone to tell us not to talk about Kelly, it. Kelly Kelly was asking more on the East Coast, West Coast. She didn't know if oh, there was anything yeah. around. Oh, shit. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, actually, I feel like I've erased all this from my memory. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty, actually, good Good observation by Kelly. Uh, yeah, that was pretty heavy, actually. We, I interviewed Mo Preem, who is 
Tupac's brother. And after it was done, we had a really good relationship with Pac's um, estate and they were going to clear music for us. And then they, at the end, pulled it all out. And I don't know if they were overly happy. I sent them a cut. I don't know if they were just like in their feelings a little bit. Cause I thought it was pretty clear. It was mostly about the records. We never really took too many shots at Pac and big because I love them both. I think they're vital artists, but it was definitely that. Yeah. I could probably do a whole podcast on that for sure. Is that, uh, so is we that rivalry there. real? Sorry, darling. Is that rivalry real? Like East coast, West coast? Was that a media um, yeah, thing? It, it was a media thing, I think, mostly, but it had some early, yeah, it's a little bit of both to answer your question. Yeah, it's, it's, un, when you start to look at it, like, and if you read about it, it's so dumb. Yeah. It's really dumb. It's really mm-hmm. dumb. So, yeah, it's, a, I think everybody, yeah, I mean, you see Snoop in that episode that we have, like, I feel like the same as him, although he, it's his people, but, I think he, he's almost like, man, that, it did not have to go like this. It was just really dumb. And both sides are to blame. You know, I think that's the real end of it. I think and they're all, you know, they're all a little, I think it really still hurts all those people, but it's, a, they're a little past it now that, you know, how time does that. It'll just heal mm-hmm. these things. Big, big went into the rock and roll hall of fame on the, on the weekend, right? Yeah. Or yesterday. Yeah. Sunday. So Sunday. yeah, I mean, yeah, that was, that would be, yeah, that's, I, I completely flaked. I'm sure there's a couple of other ones. There's rivalries all over that damn documentary. Yeah. The Southern guys, you know, would have it. And, um, Even the Burroughs, the start. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of those kind of things. Yeah. Oh, you know, what's a funny story. This is a good one. We were interviewing the Sugar Hill Gang in uh, Inglewood, New Jersey, yeah. and they had such bad blood with Sugar Hill Records who they used to be on and Bobby Robinson and Sylvia Robertson. Well, Sylvia Robinson was a label owner. They are, they're long gone, but their kids had beef with the two guys who were doing, there's like two different sugar Hill gangs. There's a whole documentary about it actually. Oh, wow. called, uh, I think it's called you stole my name or something like that. So I can't, I'd have, you'd have to check that uh, Google that if you're looking for that, but it's about the sugar Hill gang losing their identity. And when we were doing the interviews, they just sabotaged us. They kept coming by and, playing loud music. We're trying to shoot outside. They had, they had this, this police dude comes because they complain that we're filming outside. We have a permit. This police guy comes. He's the DJ for the Sugar Hill Gang guys who are interviewing the cop. He's like, sorry, guys, I gotta, you got to go. So we ended up going into this pizza shop, Chrissy Crust, where they actually met. Yeah. So the Crispy Crust guy was like, I'm not going to – he actually locked the door and said, screw them. This is BS, right? But I ended up getting to know both sides of that camp and – that's an interesting, uh, it was an interesting day. That's for sure. Yeah. What's the person that you're most blown away by? I mean, you've met obviously so many people during that filming and yeah. I'm sure as a fan, it must've been amazing, but it's pretty cool to meet cool her. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. He was great. Get him to be that warm and open was pretty amazing. He's not known, but I was always just like, Oh wow. You know, he'd see, he's always like mythical, but for me, my favorite is Karis one for sure. Yeah. I love Chris. Yeah. Was there, um, you know, continuing with this thread of, of, of yeah. memorable moments, um, you know, people say you should never meet your heroes, <laughs> right? So I, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, as, as a huge fan of rap and hip hop, 
Um, was, was there a time as you're making this where you go, I, I cannot stand these guys? I cannot stand no, the music. No. I can't stand the music anymore. I can't wait to be finished. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, is there music I hated it? No, I'm pretty much the opposite, actually. I think I love every piece of music in, <laughs> in there. Um, yeah, sometimes. Oh, there's some funny music. There's like, if we talk about the West Coast beef, there's a song called, can I swear? Yeah. Yeah, Fuck Compton by... Um, why am I flaking on his name right now? Oh, oh, God. And he's this muscle dude, and he was sort of dis... That song sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think the opposite. I'm just so pleasantly surprised by people. Yeah, not really. Uh, we've had a... Do we have anybody stand us up? I don't even think that happened. People are late. I mean, it's hip-hop and music, so it is what it is. But... Everybody's pretty cool and dope. And when we got started, you have Chad, who's so cool and warm, and and us. You know, we're not coming from a mean. I would be just open with people and tell them what we're looking for. Yeah. I feel like that was the benefit. I think about Snoop, and we took. I said to Snoop, I had filmed the Snoop in the past, and I said, "This is a little different because we're going to ask you some pretty heavy stuff about East Coast, West Coast, and, and Pac." And he was like, "I'm into it." So he didn't. He wasn't your typical Snoop, right? But then at the end, I said, hey, we're also going to ask you about Freestyle Fellowship and all this crazy L.A. underground stuff. He's like, oh, I love that. I don't even know. I'm so deep into that. Right. So is he got excited. I always feel like when you ask people about stuff that's not about them, then they can talk way like Q-Tip talking about Jay Dilla. He's just like late lights up. Meanwhile, ask him or like, tell us about your process. And he's just like, oh, I don't know. You know, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. But yeah. no, I not one bad egg. I can't think I'm, I could totally be forgetting something, but I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before that I don't think there is anybody who, yeah, it took with yeah. people down for releases and stuff. But other than that, smooth sales. Yeah. How'd you guys land on, yeah. how'd you guys yeah. land on chat? Uh, well, we needed a Canadian host. That's for one thing, not to take anything away from Mr. Sure. Kabango. Uh, and yeah, he seemed like, a, we had a few other people we talked about, but he seemed like a blank slate. And I'll tell you one of the good things about Chad, it, I, I sort of knew him and he's super chill. Like he's about as chill as it gets. He's not, he's very smart. He's a bright guy, can talk about anything, very nice, can hang with anybody. But he's so, uh, like, I think he'd rather have naps all day than really deal with <laughs> watch youtube basketball highlights but that was what was the benefit of he traveled with us we didn't have to give him a first class ticket and you're dealing with a documentary so the budget's really tricky right so you're yeah he's sitting with us he's loading crew gear if it was jay cole or or who had crossed our mind back in the day because he's such a student it would have been different you would have been had to deal with their manager and you know like uh, it would have been just a nightmare not to take anything away from those guys but having Shad just at our benefit as part of the team and really with us made it so much easier. But yeah. And then I think to answer your question, he was a blank slate, young, an artist cared about rap. It's not his first love. Like Rodrigo and I are that brain that moves through it, but that's, what's beautiful about him. He's discovering it as he goes. And I think we actually, really educated him like that was something that happened really? along the way oh sure yeah i think that came across though i think yeah. his, his yeah. awe and his his yeah thirst for learning that's really real that's that. real yeah. yeah that's real 
Yeah, I even remember the day that we did Herc early on, him being like, oh, wow, that was really like, yeah, you could tell we were on to something here. Yeah. yeah. Was, was he ever, I know, you know, you, you were yeah. sort of meeting your, you know, your heroes, the guys you used to yeah. listen to on Detroit radio or, or across the border and see, uh, you know, Shad being a rapper himself, was he, was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he sort of. He was never really nervous except for Q-Tip. And I think he was nervous during Bust Arrives, those two, maybe. I think maybe another. But he's def. Oh, uh, Diddy made him a little nervous, I think. But that's just Puff. Um, but Q-Tip, he was definitely like, I can tell he was a bit like, oh, man, this is the dude, right? You're the reason I do this. So that's always interesting to be in front of that kind of person, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was t- I was telling uh, some friends of mine that, that you were coming on and, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously everyone, if you watch it, you, you know, you, you roll through the credits and, you know, Russell Peters name pops up. Yeah. Um, and people who know him, who sort of have heard his story, even if you watch his stand-up stuff, you know, he's got uh, and a DJ, a, a on DJ, the DJ playing and stuff, right? Yeah. How did he, how did he become involved? Did yeah. So he's just a friend. Yeah. Yeah. He's a friend of mine. And I asked him for Herc's number and he said, mm-hmm. He said, come over. He was in Toronto, come for breakfast. So I went out and had breakfast and he's like, okay, I'll call her, but uh, you probably got to pay him something. I'm like, yeah, cool. We got that worked out. You know, I want to pay these pioneers because it's their time. And everybody knows Herc didn't make his money on hip hop, right? Not like I was going to make him, but it was something your first time. Sure. And of course, Russell's so funny. He's like, oh, come back. We had breakfast. And I remember going back to his spot. He's like, come upstairs. So he goes, you know, he's sitting there with his shirt off, just hanging out at home. Typically, if you don't rustle, you're like, you see this. And so then he's got his phone on speaker and he's like, oh, don't say anything. I got Herc. And so I'm like, okay, I'm quiet sitting there. I'm like sort of excited though, because he's going to ask him for us. And Herc never does interviews, man. That was the thing that, that was out there. And we were really worried about that part of the, so I, and I bugged RP and I said, hey, can you call him? So he did. So he agreed to call him. Then he puts me on speaker with Herc like immediately. And I'm basically talking to Herc about what we're doing. And then, you know, literally, I think a month later it was happening and then I continued to use his roller decks because he had contacts to some all the old school guys. So then he had this party in it was his 40th birthday party in New York. And I went and I took the opportunity to just talk to everybody about the project that was there. So I talked to like Melly Mel, Big Daddy Kane, Eric B. So I never ended up interviewing. Um Grandmaster Kaz, I talked to Kaz forever. Kaz just educated me about stuff. And so then after I left that, I just said to Scott and Sam at Banger, I'm like, hey, you know, what do you think about making Russell an executive producer? He's really going to help us. And it's not going to cost us anything because he didn't really ask for a fee and he knew I didn't really budget for it. So it was just a name. And so from then on, we just added him. And it's really worked out well because he hooked me up with a lot of people. I think he'd hit his threshold, though, in season three because he's sort of done with rap at at a certain point i think he loves it but he doesn't really mess with new stuff how the heck like how does he know all these people well he had i think you know russell was a dj in toronto and and he hung out with you know mastermind the dj um yeah he was he's was on flow forever flow Mm -hmm. freaking fired him idiots anyways um I really think they screwed that up, but okay, I digress. Um, but uh, he hung out with him. He did. He hosted his mixtapes, so he would host those. And I think he got to know like Greg Nice and a bunch of those kind of nice and smooth. All those Toronto. There would be a lot of collection of people from. I remember back in the day, if you guys 
remember there'd be a lot of samey type artists who would come and play all the time in Toronto. So I think he got to know those guys. And then by the time he was out in the road, those guys would be at shows and then they would bring a friend and then he would meet them. They'd be like, oh, Russell's such a good dude. And, and I think he got to meet um, Melly Mel really early and Kaz. And I could be screwing this up because he could probably have some deeper friends in it. But because I know he's good friends with a few real DJ too. DJ Spinbad is his friend. And yeah. Russell, I think, got to, I got to know DJ Red Alert through him. And it just started to trickle. Like he told me one time, Run DMC ran his show, running. Uh, running D and I was like, oh man, that's so cool. They do him. And so I think he just hung out. Well, like one of his best buddies is Lord Finesse. Lord Finesse like lives a lot at, at Russell's house. So he's entrenched in it and he keeps touch with it and he supports them too. Right. So yeah, yeah I mean, it all any way he can. So yeah, that it made a ton of sense for uh, him to be the EP and I'm proud that he was involved in it. Yeah. So, so I stayed at his place a lot too. I will make that, give him a little props in LA. I had to wait for like two weeks for ice cube, but I stayed for like two straight weeks in Malibu. Yeah. You know, Russell lives nicely too. So it's not the worst place to hang out. Sure. No doubt. So, so much like Kareem asked about earlier, you know, being a kid listening to hip hop and someday telling the stories of rap, being a hip hop. Yeah. He's telling stories of rap. You know, when you guys were doing this production, you know, did you ever think you'd end up winning a Peabody and an Emmy? Hell no. And I don't mean Hell any no. disrespect. I just I was like, sort of hoping for a CSA nomination, really. Yeah. That's what I was <laughs> we won, we won two. Two or more. Two, I think. Yeah. But no, the Peabody thing was really great because it was a guy who was on the Peabody committee who saw it. At, he was here for... It was only on HBO Canada, and he saw it there. Here, he was here for hot dogs or something. I can't. No, he saw it at Hot Dogs. That's what it was. And then that's when he got a copy of it, and he submitted it. We didn't nominate ourselves. You have to nominate yourself for a Peabody. He nominated us, so it was out of nowhere. We got this like, oh, you're nominated for a Peabody Award, and we we're like, wow, that's incredible. And then to win it was a bit surprising too. I remember seeing him and. It was just so funny because he was pretty business, but I, I thought it was great. He was just, the, um, you know, like maybe like a 55-year-old black, young black uh, dude. And he was on that committee. I didn't know, really know his background. I should dig it up some more. I've lost sort of the track of him. But that's pretty cool. It was, it was quite a surprise. And then the Emmy, yeah, they were both. The Emmy, when we were up for the Emmy, all the people at the Emmy thought we were going to win in our category. But I don't know. The Peabody was a pleasant surprise. Nice, nice. So good, good so, on the resume. That's for damn sure too. Yeah, no for doubt. Sure. So, <laughs> so, to, so to that point, you know, talking about some of your newer projects, the, yeah. Scarborough, the Scarborough boy over there wants <laughs> yeah, to talk we, about uh, you know Scarborough boys and some of the new projects. We'd love to get. Yeah, some. I'm just um, producing that project. It's called Scarborough Boys. It's directed by Kwame Mason. We really don't have a partner for it yet. I'm actually working on cutting some sizzles. We're trying to figure out what it is a little bit, but we've got. Uh, Wayne Simmons, who's, you know, obviously got signed by the Leafs, I think, this year. So that's pretty exciting. Simmons is an awesome guy. What a good dude. Um, And then Chris and Anthony Stewart, their brothers, recently retired. I think Anthony was on hockey night. Chris lives in Minnesota now. He just retired. Um, And Joel Ward, who Stanley Cup winner. I think, didn't Wardo have like two huge stanley cup game seven goals in his career like he was a walk-on you know like dennis rodman less the weirdness but that sort of story 
Um, and then um, Devontae Smith-Pelly is the, the last, and he's a little younger, but they're like just a crew who all came out from this one area of Scarborough, and they played in this one program called Skills, which is put together by a guy named Kirk Burgess and um, Kevin Weeks, who played goalie in the NHL for many years. Yeah, So those guys just wanted to give black kids a place to play and also be able to be themselves because hockey is pretty close-minded and white and conservative. I think that's actually funny part about it. People get it, say it's always like white and racist. And I'm like, it's really conservative too. Like there's, you can't have dreads, you know, you can't, I don't even think if you're a touch flamboyant, you're, you can be, put aside forever you know like there's been guys who have broken through yeah but you can really fuck yourself by just being a dick or saying something and i don't think a lot of those scarborough boys those i call them that the the collective name i don't think that they really always felt supported and that's what that skills thing did so in the meantime they all become super tight and become really you know nhl pro players and some of their stories are just like you're not even I, I think there's stories in the, in the NBA where, you know, there are people who come from lower class income neighborhoods who have had these breakthrough stories, but hockey does not have those stories because it costs, you know, it costs a lot of money to play hockey. I never played. My parents couldn't afford it. So, but those guys just, they were so damn good and they fought so hard and that like, I think Anthony Stewart said at one time, he never, they didn't pay, he didn't have to pay for hockey. He was just so damn good. He's getting like 20 goals in games, <laughs> like some crazy stuff, you know, like with, so those guys broke through. Yeah. So we're working on that one. And that, like I said, uh, Mark Frazier, who used to play for the Maple Leafs, um, he was a defenseman. He played for, I think, Ottawa. No, he played for Ottawa, New Jersey. He recently retired too. He brought us that idea because it was something that um, they, they're known in the NHL, that crew is, and if you're black and you're, those guys are in the league, they'll, they reached out to everybody. Like, that's what they do. They'd be like, yo, wow. come, come up, come up the barbecue, you know? Yeah. So it's cool. You need that. Like you, once you start to hear their stories, you understand that brotherhood, like hockey has its own brotherhood, but there, we always say that there, a lot of them have said this, that they're like, they're the brotherhood within that. So mm. yeah, it's cool. It, yeah. I, I hope that has, that has some legs. I hope that run breaks through for people, but we're really in the early stages of figuring out where that could go. Was that different sort of telling a non or trying to tell a non music story? Yeah, they're all, we always try to bring our little elements of music into it, you know, like uh, with the soundtrack stuff, but no, not really. I think for us, that's why I think hip hop evolution might break through because you, it's just stories, right? You're trying to tell that stories of music. And I feel like that's where a lot of music docs sort of stink. They don't see that, right? They think found footage and good, music cues are going to win. But if you go through and do an act five, five act structure properly, which we worked with in hip hop evolution, then you're going to get it right. You know? Nice. Yeah. You, you've got a bunch of stories that have come out of hip hop evolution. It seems you're, you're, you're trying to, you know, tell these stories, whether it's that, um, the one that mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg and DJ a track are sort of co-producing. Yeah. That's a podcast. Are. Yeah. That's it's, a podcast. Okay. Yeah, that's with Snoop's company. So that's an A-Track and Shaheem Reed brought that to them. And it's a 10-part or 20-part series, actually. It's a two-season series about mixtapes, the history of mixtapes and sort of the conflicts and craziness. And obviously that was a bootlegging thing. And 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that one's pretty cool. There, I don't, we don't have a host attached to that, but I think that there's really close to announcing a really awesome host. Um, yeah, we've gotten into podcasts. That was something we wanted to do before. Um, it's weird. I literally just got an e- email from A-Track. Um, the, sort of strange. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't email me that often. So, uh, but yeah, we're doing another podcast uh, with um, Shed Creative Agency and for Audible called Highly Legal. And that's about the, oh, can I talk about this? Yeah, yes, I can. can. Yeah. Um, well, I'm thinking about what on their end. I won't give too much away uh, yet. But, and that's about looking at the um, cannabis legalization in Canada. So we really tried to get, we were going to do podcasts because I come from, you know, doing a little bit of radio at CBC and Rodrigo just is a, he's a writer and a uh, really smart um critic and he also just loved that form so we we really planned on doing that so yeah hopefully we can do more uh, it's been pretty fun it's actually kept the lights on during covid too so that's been nice sure yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm not i'm not i filmed some of the scarborough boys i might go to the states and film next week but i'm or no, in two weeks but I, i'm not sure yet what would that be for it's for it's just an ad yeah nothing exciting. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Pay the bills, pay the bills. Yeah, you got it. Got it. It's been tricky, COVID. You know, we were really ready to rock with our company scenario uh, media. And we um, we just had a lot of stuff. I think we're not alone. The breaks were put on. So hopefully we can get back to some kind of, I miss the field. I've not been home this long in probably two decades. So. Well, Darby, let me ask you this, you know, sort of bring up starting um, the, yeah. the, the new company. Um why leave Banger Films to start that? Why not sort of bring projects and sort of stay in that spot where you've found this this success? Yeah, I always had, I always consider myself a bit of a freelancer. Even when I was at Much Music and CBC and Banger, I never really identified mm-hmm. in that world. And I actually, someone who Greg knows, Matt Hansen, and I, when we were really younger, we had a pretty successful little production company going for about five years. So... Um, we had kids and couldn't have, couldn't take the risks. And I feel at this stage of my life, I can take those risks. And having, like you said, doing Hip Hop Evolution, you have that production chops. Yeah, I just, I'm 47. I've been doing it for 23 years. So it felt like the right time. And I felt like I met the right person to do it with, with Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of sensibilities. Yeah, you, I, nothing to, not to take away from Banger. I really, that whole crew is amazing. And I'll probably work with them again. But it just seemed like the time, good timing. I always wanted to do it. We had two projects that we sort of were, we filmed stuff for too, D&D Studios, which we're still working on. It's about DJ Premier Studio. And that was when you, we were like, oh, we can do this. But I will also tell you, it has been really hard. So yeah, I would, yeah, it's hard. You got to deal with a lot of things you don't even think about. And I was warned. So, but I feel like, you know, once you have those sort of breakthroughs, you see the, you can see where it's going and hopefully, yeah, yeah, we've had some breakthroughs. We have some really cool, exciting stuff that is coming down the pipeline too. So I'm, I'm really happy about where we're at considering COVID. Yeah, for sure. I just sort of chalk it up. I I feel like we're, when you say something like that, you're just like, everybody's going through this. So we're not everybody's Jeff Bezos and making a gazillion more dollars (laughs) off. Because of it. Yeah. Because of it. But yeah, I mean, I hope I answered your question. It Mm -hmm. was just timing. Yeah. I would, no, not that place. And there's lots of fish in the sea, but Banger was great. I love, I mean, that crew that worked on Hip Hop Evolution over there, the editors, the music clearance, the production managers, all the uh, 
editors and all the post-production, the crew, the like, and all the way, yeah, down to the end, pretty good. It was pretty good machine. Um, we were, we were killing it by the end of it all. And considering you're chasing hip hop artists, man, it seemed like a bit of a feat that we pulled off. Yeah. Yeah. So, so before we wrap it up, yeah, two things. One, um, I have one more question. Uh, that was that we'd like to solicit questions from people that listen. Sure. So, so ironically, it's from the person that you started off this podcast with. <laughs> and what Mace would like to know, a.k.a. Yeah. Chris Mason, what music artist are you most ashamed to like? Oh, geez. Have I told him this? Maybe? <laughs> he knows his list is really long. I don't know if the shamed is the word. So I got to think about it a little bit because I'm this is some pretty embarrassing music, which I chalk up to really liking these days. Oh, I know who it would probably be. Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Yeah, because he's sort of new and cheesy. But I really, I started to go like, I started to really like some of the songs. And then when I started looking into him, I'm like, oh, man, this guy's super cheesy. Holy <laughs> crap. But then I was like, wow, he's also really talented. Very talented. The music. Yeah. Maybe that's not a, maybe that's like a populist answer, but for me, that's pretty, ugh. Yeah. But I also like, Mace knows that I like uh, some really cheesy, like blue-eyed soul, like uh, about as yacht rock as you can get. Even like Bertie Higgins, I yeah, I can go pretty bad. <laughs> maybe he has an answer for me that I'm forgetting. He's like, oh no. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know whether there's a, whether he was, whether he knew the answer or he was fishing for something. So I think Yeah, that, I like to put myself, like embarrass myself with some of my musical choices. So yeah. Darwin, let me ask all, you this yeah. before, yeah. before Greg sort of yeah, closes yeah. it off. Um, a lot of people love to hate on Nickelback. <laughs> what's what's your opinion? Yeah. I saw what's the lead singer's name? Um Chad, Chad Kroger once you remember that band Air from France? They're like art sounding mm-hmm. Do, 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 you know, I saw them at the cool house and I remember Chad from Nickelback was there. I was like, what the fuck is he doing here? Right. So maybe he's actually cool. But then, I mean, they have that song. Um, you look so much better with something in your mouth. You know, that song. Oh yeah. And I'm like, you know, at least Motley Crue sort of were like blatant. They didn't put out a look at this. You know, they were like just scumbags. Like p- pick your lane, Nickelback. Remember they had a, I actually remember my roommate liked them a lot. You know, I worked on much music when they were around, I think, too. You know, in fact, we did a road trip for the new music with George Ron Robinson and a cameraman named Jamie Corbett when that song came out, um, the big one, How You Remind Me. And you could literally turn the dial in the States and that fucking song was on, man. Yeah, it was wild. So I can't take anything away from them. They definitely knocked it out of the park for that reason but i wish they weren't canadian i wish they were freaking from somewhere else (laughs) no offense sure they're great guys i was actually expecting a different answer yeah yeah i like yeah yeah i don't really like that kind of music too much i can go into like what would be someone similar to them? Yeah, that's where you're you actually you really got me there. That's like not my AOR of that era, like early two thousands is shit. I like Sloan and I'm really snobby yeah. about that kind of stuff, but <laughs> but then I'll like listen to um to Ed you know, Yeah. 
<laughs> or yeah, I was thinking of this other one I, I saw. It's this song. Oh God, here I'm gonna just look it up because it's so embarrassing. This might be the one, the one now that I think about it. But you ever have like a song when you're just it just puts you in a time? Yeah, here. Okay, hold on. It's um, where did it go? Crush by Jennifer Page. You know that song? No. Oh God. <laughs> It's like dentist office music. Yeah, the worst stuff. So, so maybe you've already answered this for us. Yeah. But our last question always is, what's in your earbuds right now? Oh, what have I been listening to? Well, yeah, so I was listening to, I always listen to old music, but I do love um, this group called, I wish I could know, I knew how to say their name very well. It's like Karangbin, I think they're called. Karang, it's K-H, I'll just, because no one's going to get this, it's, K-H-R-U-A-N-G-B-I-N. And they have a they have an album called Mordecai and they're from Houston. And they're awesome. So they play like sort of uh I would say like funk, but new funk with a there's a song also they have with um oh I'm trying to Leon Bridges, who's uh they're from Houston too, Texas. They're terrific. Yeah, that would be my group right now. But I also listen to I've been listening to a lot of Redbone, you know, that old um uh indigenous group from the states yeah they had that huge song that was yeah that, that in, big um, song it's been on movies so many times yeah yeah what movie is it's on the mixtape movie um with uh i'm really it's a marvel one of the Mar- guardians of the yeah. galaxy was guardians it? of the galaxy yeah that's yeah. their big song i was on that yeah so i'm always listening to the old stuff yeah yeah what's your black jersey say back there greg i'm blind that is the tragically hip Oh, that is the hip. Oh, right on. Cool. That is the hip. It's a it's a signed jersey that um, when Kelly and I got together back in two thousand and three, when we moved our families in together, yep. we had just sold my house, so we had some money in the bank, and we had did a school auction, like a, for our kids' public school, and that was one of the items. And because I just wow. sold my house, I'm like, I don't care how much that cost me, I'm going to buy that. You're like, oh, right on. Cool. I love the hitman. Yeah. I got to film some or help out with the, the documentary that uh, Banger did with um, Jennifer Bashwell about Gord the uh, last couple of shows. So I got to go to like the last four shows. So incredible. Nice. Yeah. They're cool. I love those guys. I I used to work with uh, Gord's brother, Mike Downey at CBC. So okay, those, that's a good crew. Yeah. I, I get like sort of uh, thinking about, it's sort of weird to not have Gord Downey around him. That see, screw Nickelback. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to be a dick though. You That's like the hip. Nice. nice. Yeah, well, for sure. Darby, yeah. thanks so much for joining yeah, thanks, us. Thanks, guys. Really I appreciate the time, man. Yeah. yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Listen, before you go, all we're, right. Yeah, you ah, you're okay. You're decent. <laughs> not not bad for a friend of Greg's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where uh, where where can people go to check out uh, some yep. of these projects you're working on? Uh, yeah, we're at www.scenariomedia.com. Scenario, like the tribe called Quest Song. Um, yeah, I, you'll see stuff on there. We got more cool stuff coming down there, uh, down the pipe. And yeah, if people have interesting ideas, they ever want to shoot us, there's an info at scenariomedia.com because we're always taking ideas for sure. Awesome. Thanks awesome. a lot, buddy. Yeah, okay, thanks, thanks really man. Appreciate Have it. a great night. Yeah, hopefully we'll do this over a beer next time. Exactly, down at Radical Road. Yeah, you got it. Okay, see you guys. Thanks.